Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, smile, Ken. Well, happy <laughs> New Year, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for being here. Episode 137 of the Anakin Florian podcast, Flow Going Gun Show. If you're watching the video today, it is Monday, January 1st, 2018. Uh, Kenny begged to work the holiday. We are in the people-pleasing business, and as such, we are here. Kid, you look great as always, man. You know why? Because I didn't do jack schmoo last night i didn't do anything i had nothing interesting to talk about it i basically was there <laughs> with my wife my pregnant wife and uh we had a uh a root beer float uh yeah. to celebrate the, yeah. the new Good. year and that's it well I, I know you're not a big drinker to begin with so i would imagine it's not like mass consumption when your wife's pregnant right like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah, you're gonna exactly, start drinking exactly. a whole lot more uh, so yeah, well, needless to say, I was in bed at 8 30 PM Eastern time. I flew the red eye after the pay-per-view and it's probably the last time I'm going to do that. Right. Um, because cyborg home goes the distance and we're just firing it out of there. Ride wasn't there. And, uh, Dude. but we made, we were able to make the red eye thankfully. So, uh, right back at it today, uh, a little college football today. We're going head to head with the, uh, the college football playoffs, but dude, mixed martial arts fans going to turn out. For the podcast on New Year's Day. So uh, you won the main event challenge. So quickly before we get into the UFC 219 stuff and talk to UFC featherweight champion Max Holloway. Uh, congrats on winning the main event challenge. A valiant comeback, of course, out of Team Anik, my squad of handicappers and listeners. In the end, though, and you guys know this if you've been following this show. Florian is a sharp mixed martial arts <laughs> better. I wish he 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 actually played with more money in his personal <laughs> life. He is wont to do that. Um so we'll take our we'll we'll take our loss and move. I do have to pay off this bet though. Well, so yeah. Well, we got to figure it out because I would love to see it in person. So it, okay. you know, when the UFC maybe comes to LA or maybe we, we find a way to okay. do it when we when we meet up. Because yep. I want to see. I actually I want to make the damn sandwich. I want to make the Vegemite right. myself right. and then watch you puke right. in front of me. So the Australians tell me that if you toast it and, and go butter first and then the Vegemite on the sandwich, it, it's easier on the taste. Tell you what I'll I do. Think. I'll do that for you. But I'm wow. still but I'll, I will. I'll let you do that. But I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put the Vegemite on. There. Oh, that's OK. That's yeah. OK. 
Right. I allow you All to right. do that. We'll do it. I think I'm going to Perth, but I'm going to come to L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, a little bit early. And although, you know, you might be in crunch time there with that whole pregnancy thing. We will figure it out. Right. No tattoo bet involved here. I'm going to eat a Vegemite sandwich to pay off the bet. We got a lot to get to, though. As usual, the UFC closing out its calendar year in Las Vegas, Nevada, with a big year-end pay-per-view. And we're going to recap it, not now, but uh, right now. Headlines. Let's go. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, UFC 219, Cyborg versus Holm. If you watch the pay-per-view until the end, though, you know I am not leading with the main event on these airwaves. The uncrowned king, Ken Flohabib, Nurmagomedov, 25-0, 24 rounds in the UFC, 24-0 in those, um, hasn't lost a round in training. And I think sometimes when guys don't compete as often as others, I tend to lose sight of maybe how dominant and how great they are you and i called habib Nurmagomedov's ufc debut in january of 2012 i hadn't called one of his fights until 2013 so shame on me for maybe forgetting just how dominant this guy is but i even think he took it to a whole new level on saturday night uh, i sit here monday morning maybe reactionary but i think he is the most dominant force in the game right now heading into 2018 25 and 0 25 fights uh, in mixed martial arts, and, and to huh. be undefeated is just, it's mind-boggling. It's unbelievable. And then when you consider all the guys that he's gone against uh, and the style that he employs against these people, um, it, it's amazing to watch. And this is a guy that continues to get better. Um, you know, um, the way that he went and took away the space from Edson Barbosa, just stayed right in his face, was the perfect game plan against a guy who is an extremely creative, fast, and explosive striker. So when you do that, he never allowed Edson Barbosa to get in the game. He stayed yeah. right on him, uh, and he took him down, and he just pummeled him, man. He pummeled him. He took his Same. lunch money. It looked like uh, an attack. It didn't look like a uh, fight. It looked like Habib Nurmagomedov was attacking Edson Barbosa for 15 minutes. I, I, I was blown away. And to Edson Barbosa's credit, man, I'm telling you, maybe like two years ago, three years ago, Edson Barbosa would have quit. This Edson Barbosa yeah. was very motivated to get that title shot uh, and to beat this uh, insane human being in Habib Nurmagomedov. Was wasn't able to do it. Habib, just too much, man. Too much pressure. And, boy, the way that he hits you on the ground with his grounder pound, he gets oh, just the God. right position and pummels you. Uh, it was scary to watch, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, to see it in person, and again, for me, for the first time in the span of like a college education, right, four-plus years, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I could barely call the fight. And yeah. to your point on Edson Barboza, what what a performance in defeat, right? And maybe performance is the wrong word, just effort. And we were yeah. told mentally, physically, he was just in such a good place going in. And you can see that, right? Just the fact that he was able to survive this beating over 15 minutes. I just don't know how many guys would have heard that final horn. And uh, you're right, two years ago when he fought Tony Ferguson and was stopped in that second round, um, not to say he was looking for a way out that night, but maybe he wasn't as confident in his skills back then that if he can stay in the fight, get up, see a third round, uh, who knows what would have happened. But uh, I just was so impressed with Habib Nurmagomedov coming in here and the way he just attacked the weight cut and everything that came with it. You know, I first talked to Tyler Minton in Winnipeg a couple weeks prior. He was there with Daniel Cormier and... He said Habib then was just trending 10 pounds lighter, and on Tuesday he was at his normal Thursday weight. And we were thinking, you know, maybe this would lead to a scarier Habib. I mean, do you feel like because he now seemingly has mastered that part of it that that we can expect even better performances than we saw in, you know, Nurmagomedov version one in that in that previous part of his UFC tenure? Uh, I think so for two reasons. I think so because... First of all, he's cutting the weight much better. He used to do it on his own. Now he has a professional in Tyler Minton who's helping him out, uh, doing it the proper way. So he's walking around a lot lighter. He's in a better mood. Physically, energetically, he's able to do more during the fight. Yeah. It looked like he went through a stro- for a stroll. Uh, in that fight right, in UFC 219. Right. I mean, he was not tired in, at, at the least. Uh, and here's a guy who was trying to take him down every single second of the fight, pressuring him every single second of the fight. So he wasn't just nice. out there and floating around and dancing. Um, he was doing, <laughs> he was moving and doing something every second of the fight, and he looked like it was nothing. It was, it was a walk in the park. Um, and number two, he had something to prove. 
right? I mean, he's been getting criticism from him yep. being injured all the time or supposedly being injured all the time to a guy yep. who can't make weight. And so I, I think he had that chip on his shoulder and he wanted to make an example out of Edson Barbosa and show everybody just how damn good he is. So, Kenny, Joe Silva tried on several occasions to book this fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. He was obsessed with that fight. I remember after Tony Ferguson beat Edson Barboza, we were in a van together going back to the host hotel. It was two years ago, December 2015. He gets on the van, and, of course, me, total reaction in the moment. Tony had just won $100,000 in bonus money. I'm like, you got to give Ferguson a title shot, Joe, right? And he's like, dude, A, you're not a matchmaker. B... I'm making this fight between Khabib and Tony Ferguson if it's the last thing I do. And Joe sits around probably watching this pay-per-view, thinking about this fight that still hasn't happened. I mean, Kenny, is that not the the dream mixed martial arts fans fight right there at 155 pounds between those two monsters? Well, there there's two things that Tony Ferguson has that can compete with Khabib Nurmagomedov, and that's his heart uh, and yep. that's his conditioning. Uh, and I would love to see it go for five rounds because the only way oh, I yeah. see Habib uh, maybe getting a little bit uh, frazzled out there or maybe getting a little bit tired or showing some kind of weaknesses within fi- five rounds. I, I still am hesitant to even say that, but that's the only way I see it happening. Three rounds is not going to be enough for you to take out someone like Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, so just that alone makes it very interesting. Also, the fact that these guys were supposed to fight three times before. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is absolutely a fight one I want to see. I don't know if we're going to see it. I mean, is Tony going to fight Connor? I imagine that's going to be the fight that Connor takes next. I just, I don't know. You know, he keeps right. making references to like he needs to get paid and people need to beg for him and all that stuff. Yeah. I think he wants a dance partner that's going to help hype up this fight a little bit more um, and have the UFC pay him enough money to where it becomes worth his while. This is a guy right. who's got, you know, $100 million in the bank. Um, he can live off of his interest for the rest of his life and right. his kids' lives and their kids' right. lives probably. So, uh, yeah. Right. He should be on that Bitcoin train like Ken Flo ahead go. of the rest of us uh, intellectually all the time. <laughs> so who is the lightweight best equipped to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov? Is it someone like Conor McGregor who has that <laughs> left hand? Uh, is it Tony Ferguson? Pistol to your temple or to save Ooh. a dog's life. Which lightweight are you sending to make that walk to beat Khabib? And I'll give you about 30 seconds as I expand on this. Dustin right. Poirier was on these airwaves a few weeks ago, Kenny, and we asked him, who's the toughest fight for you at 55? Khabib Nurmagomedov. That is the answer from most of these other lightweights when you ask them. So um, you're trying to rescue a dog here, Kenny. You've rescued <laughs> a lot of dogs in your life. Rescue another one. Tell the, me the lightweight best equipped to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. No one wants to fight. Habib Nurmagomedov. I think the one guy who could possibly do it right now at 55 is Connor. But I don't know, man. Here's yeah. the thing. You need to be heavy-handed. You need to be accurate with your strikes. I don't think uh, Habib, the way that he shoots in for takedowns, he doesn't really shoot in for those low-level uh, leg attacks where he's going for a single or a double necessarily. He gets to the clinch, and that's a safer way to get into the clinch, right? It's a safer yeah. way to take your opponent down. And he's got the skills uh, with his takedowns, with his Sambo back with his wrestling background to put you on your ass uh, from that clinch position. Very few people know how to do it as well or as efficiently as Habib Nurmagomedov. I don't think Connor can stop the takedown. If he can catch him coming in, if there's one guy that could possibly rock him and catch him coming in with his hands, it is Connor McGregor. I think when you talk about his hand, hand speed, his ability to find angles, his ability to land a shot that you know you, you don't see coming, it is Connor. Do I see Connor beating him at this point? No. I, I just don't. I don't think he can keep him off of man. I, I really don't. I, I think there's very few people right now that can do it. Um, you have to have amazing wrestling. You maybe have to put him on his back. Um, you have to be able to circle away from the cage repeatedly and move your feet for 25 hard minutes. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if there's a, a lightweight alive that can stop him. You're going to have to right. be one hell of a wrestler and one hell of a boxer. See, it's like giving you anxiety because you know the dog probably ain't getting rescued, you know, because they're probably not winning that fight against Khabib Nurmagomedov. So, uh, and I even, you know, you can even reference that Abel Trujillo fight, which people do a lot, right? Four-year collegiate wrestler Trujillo. And I know we're talking about mixed martial arts application of wrestling and sambo and but took him down 21 times in a three-round fight. You know, Sean Shirk had the previous record, who you fought 16. It was over right. a, in a 25-minute fight, you know? Exactly, exactly. You know, and that's insane. You know, he shot 28 times. That That's 
the kind of conditioning that yeah. he brings to the octagon. When he's just shooting 28. Of right. those 28, he hit 21 takedowns. And of those 21 takedowns, he hit against a, a guy who was an NAIA wrestling champ. A college yeah. champion. And Albert right. Trujillo took him down like he never wrestled a day in his life. Right. Scary. So... And I think Nurmagomedov, not only does he already have one of the bigger fan bases in the sport, top 10, certainly on this roster, in my opinion. Carlos Condit, by the way, I think is in that mix just in terms of the fan base, combination, casuals, avid fans. And he can be an absolute superstar, Kenny, if he competes a couple times a year. We've seen him three times since, you know, you and I were in our 30s, right? I mean, he hasn't fought a lot. So uh, if we see him more often, I think he can just be a massive superstar and maybe even a big pay-per-view draw for the UFC. It'll be interesting to see the extent to which uh, that fight between Ramagomedov and Barboza pushed that pay-per-view needle for the UFC over the weekend. The headliner, though, Kenny, was Chris Cyborg in the first defense of her UFC featherweight championship fight. And uh, I thought she answered a lot of questions tonight, going five hard minutes and having to cover a lot of distance in her own right, chasing down Holly Holm. I thought it was a clean performance. I thought she didn't force it. I thought she heeded the advice of her corner when they thought maybe the first two rounds were pretty close, even though I didn't necessarily. Um, I just think this is another feather in the cap of Chris Cyborg and the type of signature win that uh, her resume really was thirsty for. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, Cyborg showed those three P's that I talked about on Twitter, uh, patience, uh, pressure, and power. You know, she just, she had that in spades. And, and, you know, when when you're trading against someone like Holly Holm, she was inviting that. And I thought Holly kind of made a mistake of uh, maybe showing a little bit too much offense and I know everyone's going to say well that's what she gets criticized for before but she is a counter striker and Cyborg was just very patient waiting for those shots um, backing her up repeatedly uh, and landing just the heavier blow uh, time and time again Um, you know if if there was one possible criticism for Cyborg was saying hey listen we haven't seen her really go into the the 25 minute range 20 minute range before Um, you know maybe she can get tired maybe Holly can gas her out was not the case Um, it looked like Cyborg was the fresher fighter Um, she is a very well conditioned athlete Uh, she made the weight without any problem it seemed Um, seemed to be in good spirits the whole time and um, I thought it was a, a, a smart performance there from Cyborg as well. Yeah, she looked like she could have fought for an hour, and we're going to get into it even deeper uh, because now joining us on the guest line uh, is one Ray Longo. Let's get to him. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. We had two listeners check into rehab because they didn't get a Ray Longo minute on Christmas Day. It's true. They love the guy. And 2018 on the first day of the year begins with Raymond Peter Longo here live on the Anakin Florian podcast. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Listen, I'm excited. We're coming out swinging in 2018. <laughs> oh, good. Look at how good he looks today, Kenny. He and does. again, apologize to those who are not ingesting this with their eyes. He's wearing yellow, which dovetails very nicely with your complexion, Ray. So uh, did wow. you do anything last night? Ken Flo was drinking root beer floats. I was asleep at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I didn't do much uh, more than that, and I stayed home, and uh, I got to bed a little late. But, uh, yeah, no, uneventful as uh, most of my New Year's are. <laughs> But what counts is how eventful the day is after. Yes. That's right. This is exciting. (laughs) I can barely fucking sit still. It's so exciting. You did listen in to some of that conversation we were having about Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm. A couple of the judges saw this as a closer fight than Kenny and I did. 48-47 times two and then a 49-46 to in there. Uh, Did you see the pay-per-view over the weekend? And if so, any thoughts on Chris Cyborg's title defense? Uh, yeah, I did see it, and, I, and I'll tell you, I have nothing wrong with uh, 48-47. I okay. did think Holly Holm did a good job, and I think she could have did a better job because there were times when, you know, she was moving to her right when she was kind of spinning her that I thought she gave Cyborg a little trouble at times in the first two rounds, and I think that's where they're getting it from. But uh, I thought Holly Holm did a good job, but, I, you know, I agree. I, look, I think the one takeaway – with Cyborg I had was for a person that's really used to finishing fights quick. She did show the patience and like what Kenny said, she's very powerful, poised. And I thought that was a big takeaway. She didn't feel the pressure to go out there and make a mistake and try to end that fight early, but she did lump her up pretty good, but I thought it was a competitive fight. I really did. And, uh, 
And I think the the key was, you know, you didn't know if she was going to get tired in the later rounds, and maybe that would be something. But she did a great job with the pressure, and obviously she hits like a freight train because she did right. lump her face up, uh, you know, pretty well. It looked like so. Uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, but I thought it was a was a really entertaining fight. I I enjoyed the fight. Ray, I'd like to see her take on someone like a, a Megan Anderson next, but. For me, I, I thought Holly Holm did enough to, to warrant a rematch possibly in the future. Do you think she did enough? Would, would you want to see that fight again? I, I, I personally believe that Holly Holm could make just a couple of adjustments, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think just with the movement alone, mm -hmm. I think she could win that fight. I really do. I think for some reason she abandoned it and she started just going linear, running yes. in with her head exactly. up a little bit. But when she was turning her... And hitting and moving and getting an angle, I thought she did a pretty good job. I could see that, you know, as really making for an intriguing uh, rematch. Because there was a time in the, either the first or second round, I go, this could be a long night for Cyborg. And then slowly but surely, she started just running in, I think getting a little too frantic, like you said, for no reason. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think the problem I'm having for, for a girl that has 18 boxing belts or championship belts, just not relaxed. I yes. mean, you've seen fighters that are champions, and they could stand in front of you and make you look stupid. I mean, so she's, right. for a person with that many fights, I still think she fights a little frantic. I'd like to see her, like like you said, even though she might get criticized, a little more counter-punching and yeah. maybe keeping that fight on the outside and using her reach a little better. I thought... She ran in, and that's where Cyborg was able to do a lot of the damage. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. You know, and I, I would like to see her just kind of fight that relaxed, composed way. Yeah, I mean, um, like, you know, hey, that Kenny, experience would dictate with that many with that many belts. It is yeah crazy. She just seemed like, uh, and I know it's her kind of her thing, but I I think she should have the experience to really move that. You know, because. I don't know. I just I, I saw spurts of something that I thought would have given Cyborg fits, but she just didn't stick with it. I agree with you, man. Now, uh, one guy who probably a lot of people are waking up with nightmares about is Habib Nurmagomedov. What did you think about his performance, man? I'm, I'm sure no different than anybody else, man. I mean, I I, I got to tell you, but I, I still think even with him, you know, and that was, I mean, Barboza is not an easy guy to deal with, right. and he just made that look easy and I, I again I think this guy his mindset is really what people should key in on because he was walking through some of that stuff he accepted the responsibility he was going to get hit but he wasn't going to take no for an answer and he just got what he wanted man and when he gets you his ground and pound is is literally oh. vicious I mean he lumped up Edson pretty good and and look man hats off to Barboza I think most guys would have definitely have quit they would have given up their back. They yep. would have did something to get out of that fight. But, man, that guy's a tough son of a bitch, man. He stayed in there under the shittiest of circumstances. And it's, you know, like, again, hats off to him. But the other guy's just a oh. – he's a, he's a killer at this point. I yep. mean, if you can't deal with the wrestling that that guy brings, you're, you're just in for a – it's just a nightmare. And he's made a lot of improvements, too, when it comes to his striking game. A lot of those weren't going to be showcased in a matchup like this. But he said to me when I spoke with him last week that, you know, to defend a kicking game like Barboza's, you need to figure out offensively what you're doing, too. And he feels like his kicking game over the last six months with Barboza on his radar uh, is on a different level than it was. But, you know, you got a guy in Weidman, Ray, who prides himself on his ground and pound. I mean, have you ever seen a guy on the ground under 185 pounds strike like this kid? It's insane. No, no, he's he's on a whole nother level. And uh, again, I mean, I think it's a great it's a it's a great roadmap for guys like Weidman because I, I really believe Chris could do the same thing, just like Kane Velasquez does. I mean, yep. uh, and I think again Velasquez, you got to give it up to him. The guy's two hundred and forty pounds, and he can keep a right, crazy right. pace. Yeah, and when he's on, he's he's another guy. He's just hard to beat. And I think uh, you know Velasquez's stand up is much better than Khabib's. What we've seen. And, um, you know, I'd like to see Chris really adapt that mindset and just go after because he's, you know, he will get you down. And then it comes down to controlling it and keeping it on the floor. And it, you know, like, again, I think we have to give it up to Edson. He did get up a couple of times where nobody's really been able to do that. So, 
I don't know. That was a phenomenal performance by Khabib. I mean, it really, I, I, he really, it should be him and Ferguson, I think, uh, you know. Yeah, that's the fight. The other guy should just relinquish the belt, or Dana's got to step in and go, hey, you got till March 1st to defend this, or, we, we, you, you know, that, that that's over. But he's not, uh, I think Khabib walks right over him. I don't think that's even a fight, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, Khabib Ferguson is really the only intriguing matchup right now to make, and that's the fight. I'm sure that's going to happen, but, you know, I think the other guy should just relinquish the title at this point. Yeah. All right, last thing, unless you got anything for us on the way out. If you had to pick a fighter at 155 pounds to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov, Kenny sort of felt like it would be Conor McGregor forced to choose, although he didn't really love his options. I mean, who is the guy best equipped at 55 to, to actually give this guy a competitive fight. Is it Tony? It doesn't I, I, sound I like you Ferguson. think it is. I think Ferguson, I think what, what look, I'd really have to, uh, you know, I just don't think Connor's got nowhere near the ground game to deal with this guy. And once he gets yeah. you down, I think yeah. Ferguson might be a little trickier off his back. And that, that would be interesting if he could, you know, somehow negate some of the ground and pound. But I think that's what makes that fight interesting. Uh, and, and Ferguson looks like he's got a decent gas tank. I mean, Connor just doesn't have the gas tank to deal with this guy. That's the other thing. He really, you know, he hasn't shown that in a five round fight where he's, you know, he has periods where he takes a little break and he has come back, but his conditioning is nowhere near this guy. I, I do believe this guy could afford another time that night. Just give him a little break. I mean, he right. looks like he, yeah. he trains hard, you know, look, he's not out there. Look, I, I love what he he said about his family, kind of keeps that a little private. This guy's serious, man. He's all business. He's, he doesn't give a shit right now about, uh, you know, the Rolls Royces and the stupidity and all of that shit. He's he's a fighter, and I, I really hope the UFC embraces him and gets behind him because I think the guy speaks well. He stands for the right yeah. stuff. He's a great interview. He's got a great sense of humor if you ever see him like with DC. Oh, yeah. What's not to like about this? He guy, needs he know? needs to come up with his own blender. Like uh, Vitamix needs to come in and do like the Nurmagomedov <laughs> yeah. blender, Some, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah, Dynasty blender. A sledgehammer. Yeah, exactly. One of the, yeah. Uh, he needs his own sledgehammer. I think <laughs> he just smashes everything. Your... But no, that was yeah. you got to be impressed with that performance. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. I mean, he is a handful for anybody. But I think the, uh, you know, look, here's the key. The the key is going to be. Who can keep that fight standing with him? And then he, I think he would be in a little trouble. You know what I mean? But that's going to be the key. Can you stop a takedown? Right. Can you keep it standing? Because, like, like, again, I think last night was the wrong time to look, but it didn't look like his striking was at the level of some of these guys. Yeah, like and that's he, his weakness. Absolutely. That's his yeah, weakness. He may, and look, huh. obviously he makes up for in toughness, and I, I'm sure he's powerful when he's swinging, but he's definitely not a technical fighter yet that way. I haven't seen it. And but, you know, when Barboza was tired, man, he did land some nice shots, but not like it was, you know, anything that's going to, you know, scare anybody. It's more the fact that if you get tired with this guy, you, you, you're screwed completely. And I'd like to see the Ferguson fight. I think that's a great matchup. And I think yeah. uh, that that's the one I'd like to see. I don't think Connor's got the endurance. He definitely has the punching power for the guy. But. I don't know how he's, you know, this guy goes for a couple of takedowns and gasses him out, and his power is going to go down the drain, too. So uh, that's a tough matchup for Connor. I'd love to see it, but I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that's happening, do they? Right. Yeah, no, I think it's a long shot. I think for the timeline, too, I think Habib's going to want to get in there first quarter 2018. And you gave me a great idea. I mean, how much, Kenny, how many Habib hammers can we sell if it's a hammer with like his Papapa wig or <laughs> like what is it? it. Papaka? Uh, the like papaka that. as like the handle, right? His wig as the handle, and it's a Khabib yeah, hammer. Awesome. No, I maybe like, I, I like don't it. know. I like it, but I mean, the other thing with Khabib too is I think, you know, the only thing that could beat him now is his injuries. So he's got to really train smart, yeah. and he's got to stay healthy because it looks like that's going to be his Achilles heel in the future. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. We have our awards show next week. I think you got that steamroller frivola kid coming up in St. Louis, so we'll get into all of that stuff. And the only thing we need from you next week is your male fighter of the year. Okay, that's male the only award. The we got thir thirteen awards. We only need one out of you. Okay. Male, I got it. I'm on it. And again, right, Ray, oh, Ray, I'm retired, so you can't pick me. So yeah, I just right. Exactly. You. you know, you know, yeah. you were my favorite. See, though. see. 
Elbows hey. from elbows. This guy. <laughs> this guy could cut you. Know, you just look at his elbow. Your eyes started bleeding. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that in my life. Seriously, uh, all he had to do was raise his elbow. You just, your nose started bleeding. Your eye was gushing. It's like a superhero. This guy. It's amazing. I, it is. I true. can't take this guy. He's like, always, he's always making me laugh. I can't oh, even believe right. we didn't, we didn't <laughs> even funny. bring you into the ground and pound conversation. See? I mean, he's got like elbows are on his Wikipedia page. He's so <laughs> oh, famous yeah. for it. Yeah, I got to go look at that. Yeah. Oh, Very good. Yeah, Very good. All right, we'll let you go to get to the Wikipedia page of, of Ken Flo, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we're gonna bounce this Khabib Hammer idea around wait, a little wait, further offline. But who who was the little the the Greek guy? I think you fought him. Uh, Remember him? Kara Alexis. Was on, Kara was on the show too. Nice. Kara Alexis. Alex Kara Alexis. Oh yeah, how's yes. he doing? He's doing good. He's he's doing working for a charity right now in, in Arizona. He uh, actually builds homes for veterans. It's uh, oh, pretty well, amazing. Nice yeah. Kid, oh he's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. He's got about eighty five stitches over his right yeah. eye, thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, he, re he reminds me about that. It was his nose. Oh, <laughs> awful. Yes. Thank you. All right, hey, guys. Listen, have, man, a, have a great, great night, bud. Have a great two thousand eighteen. Happy New Year, brother. All right. Happy New Year, guys. There he is, the great Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin so Florian fun. Podcast. And support for the Anakin Florian Podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button and in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Anik. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. So quickly to put a bow on the Cyborg Holly Holm stuff, Ken Flo. So Holly Holm, 33-2-3 as a pro boxer. All right, we do have the UFC featherweight champion on the line. So I'm going to table that oh. thought right now. I know. This is my New Year's surprise for you. New Year's Day, no less. This guy's breaking away for us. Arguably the number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world right now. UFC featherweight champion, YNI Hawaii's Max Holloway is with us. Max, Happy New Year, man. Thank you for the time today. No, Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, I'd imagine the last few weeks since the win over Jose Aldo had been pretty nice for you, celebrating Christmas with the family. I mean, were you able to take a little bit of time off? I know you're a workhorse. Yeah, you know, um, our our gym our gym recently uh we actually closed the gym for a week and we never did it for five years straight for the last wow. five years so it was uh, it was closed and uh, I was enjoying man now it's uh I got one more thing my son's birthday is next week um we're doing a little vacay again and uh, then I gotta get my fat butt back down to fighting weight <laughs> and uh, get back in the gym. <laughs> So uh, so next week we're going to do our awards show here on the show. It seems like you're already stacking up a lot of these Fighter of the Year awards for 2017 from a lot of different media outlets. Ken Flo actually went on national television last week and gave you his nod on UFC Tonight. I mean, it's about time Kenny Florian used his television platform. <laughs> Had to give, to give him some love. Respect. Yeah, I, 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 I told Kenny, man, if he didn't pick me, I'd have to bring him out of retirement to make this guy believe it, man. I don't know what he's going to take to get Ken Flo's pick, but uh, besides that over Twitter, a little, a little Twitter beef hashtag. That is good, man. That's good for him, man. Thanks just for love it. Not the, a lot, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of hard work, man. A lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and the world's uh, finally figuring it out. Max, the best part about being retired is you got to kick someone else's ass to prove a point to me. You didn't have to beat me up to prove a point. <laughs> Right? Uh, yeah, you're mad, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So listen, Max, uh, how has life changed for you since you become the champ, man? Just like anything else, man. You know, it's uh, a lot more media. Uh, a lot you, you're, you're in the limelight a little bit more. Uh, a lot more picture taking. A lot more autographs, you know. Not, like, uh, that's, that's all that adds to me, you know. A better paid days, and that's about it, you know. It's... Uh, they gotta keep the whole work, you know. People get comfortable when they hit this uh, this pinnacle of their career, but I I'm just getting started, you know. Uh, 
a lot of people are saying uh, certain guys in the future of that division and this and that. And I think so everybody's forgetting I'm 26. I want to be here for a long time, and I'm going to prove it. You know, Max, they asked me the other day for, for a bold prediction for 2018, and I said that you would fight Conor McGregor. Now, is there any talk about that? Has anyone reached out to you or, or, or maybe proposed that idea to you? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the UFC actually, before we had the contract issue, before this, uh, before my last fight, before we fought Frankie, we was going back and forth with contracts and stuff, and uh, they bring up, they bring up Connor in it at uh, 55, and um, we see it happen. Yeah, that's between me and him. It happened so long time ago, you know. It's, uh, if that guy wants to hold, hold that win over my head, it is what it is, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, if, if, if we don't end up fighting, it'd be on their side, you know. They know who's the best in the world. And like I said before, I told you that all the time, you know, if you want to fight the best, come fight blessed. So uh, yeah. if that guy's... Uh, if he's back, if he want to come back after enjoying, you know, that guy's, that guy's enjoying life for now, you know, and there's no reason to uh, to be chasing somebody who doesn't want to fight you, you know, so I, I'm here, I'm waiting, you know, we got, we got contenders on the rise, and I think it's time for the future. If we run down back, it'll be fun. If not, you know, it's life. Yeah. All right, Max Holloway with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Now, you have really been at the forefront of this UFC to Hawaii conversation and the initiative for for a long time. I mean, I remember when you first cracked a mic after one of these fights talking about UFC to Hawaii. And good news last week, man, UFC President Dana White saying the company is now actively working on it. And without you accomplishing what you have in the octagon, the company's not working on that going into 2018. I mean... Do you recognize that, and, and if so, how satisfying is it for you to know that in some part your work inside the octagon has opened up this discussion? Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing, man. And so you said, you know, Dana, I saw after the last time, you know, Dana is always worried about doing uh, stadiums or outdoor events, and he, he keeps saying it rains every 10 minutes over here. This is talking about Maui or something. It really doesn't really rain that much, I. I have an idea. So I said, I at my high school stadium. Over here, it's dry, dry as can be and hot all the time on the west side. So yeah. you don't have to worry about about uh, about wine raining. But uh, you know, all jokes aside, he, uh, after the last fight, I told him, come on, you see why? And he told me, you know what, kid? I might just think about it. I might have to suck it up and, you know, face my fears and, and do one. So mm. and then he did it at the presser. So it, it was exciting, you know. It was exciting. I, 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 hope, uh, I hope the... The Hawaiian uh, tourism agency over here. Listen to what they have to say, and uh, I think so. It'd be not only great for uh, Hawaii, uh, not only great for UFC, but great for Hawaii. You know, the tourism and all that stuff. So it, it, it'd be a win-win the whole world, I think. I know you can sell out Aloha Stadium. They just got to give you the opportunity. Hopefully, they do. But I would imagine your timeline for fighting is going to be before the Hawaii thing is done and this potential fight against Frankie Edgar in a perfect world? Is it like April, May for you? When do you want to come back? Uh, you know, we, we see what happens. You know, we see what happens. It, that, that, the, June, the June and December that I did the last two years was great. You know, I had, had time to yeah. relax, uh, focus on some injuries. We had some stuff and, and get back into hard training camp. My body been... It's feeling great doing that. You know, last fight my body felt great. I didn't take too much damage as I did with him the first time against Aldo. So, uh, so it, it, it was great. You know, um, we see what happens. I, I'm just waiting. You know, whatever you you want to do, I, I'm here waiting. I, I want to fight, and you know, to prove that you're the best, you gotta stay active. You know, like I said, we, we're finally bringing back uh, stability to this to this division, and uh, a lot of new contenders is uh, is on the come up. So it's exciting times for featherweight. And even 55, you know, like, you know, I, I want to defend my car and this and that, but people keep saying they want to come down to 45 and fight at, at my weight class. You know, you guys just hold on. Just hold on. Yeah. Stay at you guys' weight. I don't want no excuses when you guys come down here and be like, oh, 10 extra to lose pounds. I'll gain 10 pounds easy for you guys, and uh, I'll prove you guys I'm the best. Right. No, and I think if you do fight Conor McGregor, he's not coming down to 145 pounds to fight you. And I know you've said you're going to fight in multiple divisions before your career is over. I think because you make the weight cut look easy and you don't complain about it and you smile on the scale, um, people maybe don't talk about you at 55 or 70. But uh, I think a lot of us are excited to see those matchups for you uh, in the not-too-distant future, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, 
Like you said, 170 ain't out of the question, too. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the way, the way that I am. That's a secret. You know, I'm just going to tell them the church. Tell them, tell them right, the right. I'm going to show you guys the church. But, uh, but you know, you would see me, uh, be eating at me and telling me, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, we, we see you late recently, and uh, we have this, the, the USCPI nutritionist here. I got the best nutritionist in the building. Uh, in, in, in the business, his name is uh, Tyler Mitten, and uh, I'm right. fine with him. You know, he, he does his job right, and uh, it shows every time I go out there and fight. Hey, how about Yancey Medeiros getting a main event, huh? Oh, Yancey Medeiros is a beast, man. Him and Cowboy is going to be crazy. And you guys see, uh, you guys see him. Uh, I don't know what it is. It says he's going for another Cowboy. So it's fun. <laughs> I'm excited, man. And uh, when he go out there and do his thing, you know, I think there's going to be another uh, another step towards UFC one. So. I'm excited, man. He's trying to get in the respect he deserves. And, um, man, that, if he doesn't win for a year, I, I don't know what's going on in people's minds. All right, last thing. What does your son think of all of this? I mean, does he even remember when, when you weren't champion at this point? What does he think of everything that has happened over the last year and a half? Oh, man, he, he uh, yeah, he's, uh, He's living some life more than me. I think he's more famous <laughs> than me. He's got to be famous with the dabbing. Of course. The dab master. Oh, my gosh. He's so fan. People are tweeting me saying that he wasn't the same without having him this last fight. <laughs> yeah, right. We need him, we need him to, to, to push and, uh, pay-per-views for he's us. He's loving yeah. it, man. You know, he, he understands. He loves, he loves video games. And he he, uh, he does jiu-jitsu. So he, he understands awesome. the sport. He understands, you know, sports period of winning and losing and, uh, and, and being a champion. So... It's awesome, man. He's loving, he's living life, and um, you know, I'm great that I, I can support the guy. His dad has won 12 fights in a row, folks. UFC featherweight champion, 2017 Fighter of the Year here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Max Holloway, congrats on everything, man. Appreciate the time today. Happy New Year, and uh, we look forward to seeing you, I guess, in June, if not sooner, man. All the best. Thank you, guys, man. You guys have a good one. Aloha. Congrats, man. Happy New Year. Thank you, brother. All right, there he is, Max Holloway, with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. So when I asked him a couple weeks ago before the Aldo fight about his future at lightweight and welterweight, he said, I'm going to fight at 185 pounds. So um, Max Holloway, I think at this point, is probably going to retire as the UFC's all-time leader in wins and appearances, right? I mean, if he can add longevity to everything else that has been a successful part of his career, right? I, you know, Stefan Struve used to say, oh, I'm going to be the first to get to 50 UFC appearances. Donald Cerrone was on a tear. You're thinking this guy's going to retire as, as the all-time UFC wins leader. Then all of a sudden you get finished a couple times and, and that conversation changes a little bit. Um, I think because Max Holloway has started at 45 and can finish potentially at 70, uh, that he is going to be just littered across the UFC record books when he is done. And, of course, here on New Year's Day in the middle of the Hawaiian afternoon, we appreciate the UFC featherweight yeah. champ giving us a few minutes. I was just saying on Holly Holm, Kenny, 33-2-3 as a pro boxer, multiple world titles at 140 pounds, 147, and 154, right? But only five times did she make the walk in boxing and not win. And she's now lost four of her last five. And it's very interesting for me to hear you and Ray break down this performance by Holly Holm because there was a lot of good in it. Uh, yes. Physically in the clinch, she showed things against Chris Cyborg, even if it was a stall tactic, right? Um, she was able to reverse Cyborg a couple times and, and at least give Chris some things to think about. Um, but I guess I'm not at the front of the line necessarily for the rematch, even though this has been the most competitive fight recently we have seen Chris Cyborg in. Um, because I, I don't know, I'm, I guess I have to watch it back, and I hope my call wasn't too one-sided if the fight was closer than uh, than maybe I thought it was, but I just didn't feel like there was anything appreciable in terms of, of the sustained damage f- going from you know home to Chris at all. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I was a little surprised. You know, Tyron Woodley was watching the fight, and he said, you know, this is a closer fight than, than a lot of people think. I, I think, you know, I have Holly winning two rounds. I said, I thought... She won the first round, and that was it. I thought Cyborg won one rounds two through five. Um, However, whatever it is, I I thought that, yeah, absolutely, Holly could have fought a a better fight, um, as close as that fight was. I thought she could have found a little bit uh, better angles. Um, I thought she could have countered a lot better. But more than anything else, and and this is what kind of you're alluding to, you talk about her boxing record, she has experience in kickboxing now, is a ton of experience in fighting in big fights in the UFC. But I have yet to see her calm and composed in a UFC fight. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that when she starts to really see the octagon as her home, as her place where she can go out there and just kind of have fun and be creative and be the great martial artist that she is, um, I, I think a lot of those people that beat her, a lot of those close fights, I think Hollywood would win a lot of those fights. I, I really do. I think that we haven't seen the best Holly Holm yet. Regardless of all of her great performances, I still think that she still hasn't shown um, that uh, that that kind of mastery level where when a person walks into their domain, they own yeah. it. They right. own that right. space, and she hasn't owned that space. And I think that... Um, yeah. Even even when she beat Bitch Gohea, she knocked her out. You see, like, all that tension, she kind of just lets it go. And she, uh, you know, it, it yeah, seems like right, there, there's right. just a lot of like, pressure thank God, on her. can I go home Yeah, now, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I don't know if you ever got anxiety for training sessions. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about broadcast television and how some right. of the nerves we had early on. We wish maybe we could get them back because it sure. might be a performance enhancer. Yeah. Um, did you ever have anxiety for, for maybe some sparring sessions, but she every day she has anxiety, and then once she gets warming up right. at Jackson Wink, it goes away. You know, I think there's some benefit to that, but I, I just, you're right, man, very, very tense individual in a lot of yeah. respects. Yeah, no, and you could see it. You know, it, it's very apparent, and obviously it's worked for her. She has um, succeeded at a very high level despite that, but I think that would be the next level to, to kind of, or that would be the next thing to take her to the next level would be to kind of, Find a way to shed that pressure, to shed that tension, because she really is such a talented human being that um, I, I feel like we have yet to see the best Holly Holm uh, in the octagon. But uh, w- with that said, she is fighting amazing fighters. I mean, she is fighting of course. Uh, an, an amazing fighter in Cyborg. Cyborg is extremely good, but I think that Holly showed that she could be able to win that fight. It, it would not yeah. be easy, but she has the skills and she has the capabilities uh, to perhaps win that fight. But Cyborg, that's what makes her such a special fighter. That's what makes her so dominant um, and uh, just an amazing performance. All right, we'll see who's next for Chris Cyborg. Maybe it will be Megan Anderson, the natural featherweight. Maybe it'll be Amanda Nunes. I know Cyborg in a perfect world wouldn't fight a fellow Brazilian, but she's going to fight whoever signs on the dotted line, and Amanda Nunes has expressed some interest. Uh, I want to bang through a couple of these other winners at UFC 219. Nice win for Dan Hooker against Mark Jacasey. You know, here's a guy in Dan Hooker now fighting in his natural weight class, 155 pounds. He has never been finished in the UFC. He has never been knocked out as a pro, and I think we haven't necessarily seen just how good he can be because he spent the bulk of his career at featherweight so congrats to dan hooker i'd like to spend some time on carla esparza though if we could because you and i sort of disagreed and again our scorecards right you're working the desk you got a lot of different things going on i'm calling the fight so you might as well toss my scorecard out but once the fight's over i asked the truck to tell me who wins the fight i Mm -hmm. thought they were going to tell me carla esparza she did win by unanimous decision and hand cynthia calvillo her first pro loss um your thoughts on this fight at 115 pounds and what the win means now for uh the former champion carla esparza well there was no doubt that the fight was close right um i I thought they were going to give it to calvillo but i have no problem with it going to carla esparza i thought she you know in that third round she was the one who was kind of looking for the takedown wasn't always successful with it um or didn't do much with it but she was moving forward so i I totally get that um listen it was an awesome round for calvillo a possible 10-8 had it not been for that close arm bar from esparza and that reversal at the very end to get on top uh could have been a 10-8 for her um but uh either way I i think after that calvillo kind of went into cruise control a little bit now this is what her seventh fight uh, on her UFC record, so still doesn't have a whole lot of experience. But Seventh pro fight, fourth UFC fight. Right, right. So this is going to be one of those, she goes back and she's going to watch it and she's going to be a little disappointed with what she did. Not because, you know, uh, you know she lost a fight, but because she probably should, should have done more during those yep. second and third rounds. Uh, she was giving up takedowns, um, wasn't able to score on the feet like she wanted to, Uh, a little bit hesitant and maybe shut down her offense a little bit because Carla was shooting in a lot. So a a big credit to Esparza and her experience to switch things up and to keep um, Cynthia Calvillo guessing. Calvillo is going to be a fantastic fighter. I I think she's going to learn from this. This is going to be one of those uh, experiences where that propels her forward. Um, I think she's got the right attitude to work harder and kind of work on those things, uh, especially in regards to the wrestling and maybe her striking a little bit. But... um, yeah, it was it was a close fight, man. So I, I you really can't complain about a fight like that. Uh, that that's yeah. a fight that really could have gone either way. 
And this is far and away for me the most interesting women's division in the UFC, 115 pounds. Of course, they're all chasing Rose Namajunas right now. Carla Esparza has a win over Namajunas. Um, and you have a big fight coming up with Tisha Torres and Jessica Andrade. Perhaps Carla Esparza gets the loser of that fight. I think the winner's probably getting a title fight. But Ioana Jacek's probably going to fight for the belt in her next fight. You got Claudia Gedalia, who could be a possibility for Esparza. Carolina Kovalkiewicz might have a fight on the books, but mm -hmm. it's going to come out of one of those names you just heard next for Esparza. And for Calvillo, I think watching this tape and learning from these 15 minutes, to your point, is going to be very beneficial. I just don't like when fighters are, and I love Calvillo, like Calvillo, excuse me, like batshit crazy, infectious personality, <laughs> absolutely yeah. love her. I don't love when fighters feel like they have a decision in the can in a close fight. It happened right. recently, Courtney Casey against Felice Herrig. These fighters act totally shocked by the scorecards. Um, and I think when she goes back and watches it, she'll probably have a different uh, opinion on that. Neil Magny defeats Carlos Condit uh, unanimously 30 to 27 times two in a 29-28 there. Inevitably, we're going to spend more time talking about Carlos Condit probably, Kenny, but what else can you say about Neil Magny tied with Donald Cerrone for the most UFC wins since 2013? Neil Magny has won 13 UFC fights. Uh, the sports books were exposed on Neil Magny. I thought maybe betters would look at Carlos Condit in that minus 150 range despite the layoff and think there was some value there. Uh, Magny cashes again, Ken Flo, for the eighth time as a fucking betting underdog in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's amazing. And this is a, a classic uh, Neil Magny performance, right? He kind of, he goes in, he does the work quietly, he collects his yeah. check, and then he's out, and no one's really talking about him again. You know, he's just going to go right back to work. He's probably training right now as we speak. He's just one of those likable guys who puts in the work day in and day out and goes out and, and doesn't talk about it, just goes out there and, and proves people wrong time and time again. So really love the guy and, and uh, want to congratulate him on another uh, amazing performance. I'll never forget his fight against Hector Lombard and then talking to him after that amazing comeback win. And he was so, so humble about it. Like it wasn't really a big deal. And he was just lucky yeah. to kind of get the win. And, and it was very authentic. He was very real. He wasn't kind of um, putting that on just for a, a show to act like he's humble. He really is the real deal. So yeah. uh, Neil Magny's awesome, man. But uh, for Carlos Condit, I saw a couple things that concerned me because um, this wasn't the typical Carlos Condit that we we're all used to seeing. Um, Carlos mm -hmm. Condit has been one of my favorite fighters for a very, very long time. Um, he was not the natural born killer on Saturday night. Uh, he was... Um, kind of looking for shots and, and he was very hesitant to get in the mix and stay in the pocket something that he does very well right. um and, and just couldn't get off in his combinations and um you know i i think that it has more to do with it's two things either he was not given a plan to go out there or maybe wasn't working on uh, certain tactics during the fight that he should have um or number two maybe he's getting a little bit gun shy now you know, maybe he's getting a little bit gun shy as a fighter uh, because he has had a lot of fights. Uh, I think he just had his second child, all that stuff. You know, that was his, like, what, 41st or 42nd fight of his career. Yep. Um, and, and I hate to see those kind of things. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope this was just a, either a flat night or whatever uh, because Carlos is, um, I, I felt that as good as Neil Magny is, Carlos um, didn't show us his, his true capabilities. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that for sure. Uh, just one win, Kenny, since 2013 for Carlos Condit. Um, certainly two years ago was very close to beating Robbie Lawler for that yep. undisputed UFC welterweight title, but a pro dating to 2002, to your point, 41st pro fight, mixed in some pro kickboxing there as well. And uh, I hate to sit here as a non-fighter and just in, in general sort of a soft athlete in my life and say that a guy's heart is not in it, but it just didn't seem to be the same Carlos Condit. Some people will chalk it up to rust and the layoff. I know you and Jimmy Smith got into that conversation a little bit, but obviously you and I saw what he did against Tiago Alves after a 14-month layoff, and that was a layoff that had an ACL reconstruction as a part of it, right? So right. I just felt like he got away from the fight game, um, and 
I don't know, man. I, I just feel like I think his next performance will certainly be better. I, I, I certainly don't think this is the way that a type of fighter like Carlos Condit goes out. I think to a fighter, he's the most popular guy on the roster, right? But in terms of you guys oh, and man. who you guys respect and whose T-shirts you guys buy, it's Carlos Condit. I just I don't know that he's going to want to go out like this flow. And, and that's the thing. And you wouldn't be off base in saying that because obviously we heard about what he said after the Robbie Lawler fight that maybe he wasn't going to fight again. And then again, you know, after he fought Damian Maya, you know, he really stayed quiet. We weren't sure if he was going to come back um, after that one either. Right. And then he said, you know, I, I kind of got back into training and, and I felt good, so I decided to go out there and fight. Okay, technically, okay, your, your body's doing the right things, all that stuff. How do you feel up here? Do you want to fight up here? Is it in right. you still? And that's the big problem for a lot of fighters is sometimes the body speaks before the brain or the brain speaks before the body, and you have to find that balance on um, – is it is it time for you to give up what you've been doing for a very long time? Um, it, it's tough. It's a really hard thing, man. It's a really hard thing. But one thing that that can't be denied that was not the Carlos Condit that we're used to seeing. Even in listen, and even in in losing, you know, th that's not the Carlos Condit that we're used to seeing, right? I, I mean, right. Carlos, right. even in, in losing, like that fight against Robbie Lawler was ridiculous. Could have gone either way. Robbie fought yep. his ass off. Um, so. It's tough, man. And listen, there is a number. There is a certain number that every fighter has, and everyone's different. Some guys, you know, three fights, that, that's what you have, and that's it. That's all you're going to give us. Some guys can go up to 50, 60 fights. Those are super special, unusual individuals that have 60 hard fights in them. But everybody right. has a number that I believe is God-given. And um, maybe that number's up. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Well put. Um, and I could just see Neil Magny, right? I think his show money is 70K. Can you see him just going to accounting? Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, this check is for 70,000. It actually should be for 140,000 American dollars. I, I beat Carlos Condit tonight, so if you could just double that, that, oh, that would man, be great. Oh, man, that's got to feel good, um, yeah. And how about, too, right, that Neil Magny made $140,000 Saturday awesome. night, right? You yes. know, and you and I, obviously, we could sit here and, and scream and advocate for fighter pay. We've had a million conversations about it off the air. We'd all love to see the fighters get paid more and do well, but Neil Magny made $140,000 Saturday night. And Go ahead. A ask what some of the undercard boxers are making. Yeah. Take a look at those, like, $2,500 yeah. paydays. I mean, it's, yeah, anyways. Yeah. But good for so, Magny. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm going to shout out a few prelim names here, and you tell me who you want to talk about. But before we get to those FS1 prelims, the lone fight on Fight Pass, Kenny, Anaconda Choke Victory, for Tim Elliott, and this was an emotional moment for Tim. Obviously, if you listened to our show two weeks ago, uh, the MMA community lost an absolute giant, um, one of the true great head coaches, Hall of Famer in my mind, Robert Follis. Tim Elliott bought a house in Las Vegas for $270,000 because Robert Follis was his head coach and he wanted to be around him more often, right? Moved from Missouri, which he had never done in his pro career before. He had bounced around a little bit, but right. moved to Vegas. Um, and and then, of course, this stuff goes down. And, and Tim, I know, felt like Kenny, once the fight started, he'd be OK with, when it came to the emotions without Robert Follis in his corner. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Once the fight came on, Tim was able to focus. And how good do you feel that this guy leaves with a fifty thousand dollar bonus as well? It was almost like Follis was making sure we had a bunch of decisions the rest of the yeah, way right. to preserve Tim's bonus. So um, a devastating, really horrifying, sad, sad story with a little bit of an upturn to the uh, frown with Tim Elliott's performance. It, this weekend. it, it was a fitting end. Uh, it was a fitting finish from Tim Elliott. Um, and, and he did it against a, a dangerous guy and, and a, a pretty good Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt fighter. So um, awesome to see Tim Elliott get the win. And again, this was also a way he really he's going to grieve now. OK, after this right. fight is when he's going to actually grieve and let it really soak in that his coach, his mentor, one of his best friends is gone. And I don't think he could move forward without fighting this fight. That's why I feel that maybe 60% of that was him being able to just move on, fight and move on, and be able to kind of grieve the loss uh, of Robert Follis and everything he meant to him. Um, and I tell you what, it's going to feel a heck of a lot better uh, getting a fantastic win like that, a finish um, off of Saturday night. And, and 
Um, I, I wish Tim Elliott the best with that process. He will find a strength uh, moving forward from this. Um, and uh, Tim Elliott has been one of the nicest guys that I've met. He's been over yeah. to Fox Studios and um, a huge guy for 125 pounds, by the way. Um, yeah. But uh, just really happy for him, and um, I, I wish him the best in the future. Yeah, started his weight cut for Demetrius Johnson back in the day at 162 pounds to get down to it's 25. Um, but he is a great athlete and, and a motivated individual and uh, certainly did his coach the ultimate honor over the weekend by uh, getting the finish and ultimately the bonus. And um, Of course, we're, we're naming our, our Corner Man of the Year Award, the Robert Fallis Corner Man of the Year Award, and uh, try to continue to keep his, his memory alive as best we can. Um, and, of course, Fallis made sure every single one of those prelims on FS1 went the distance, Kenny. But anyone you want to talk about here, uh, Mikhail Oleksajic, a winner over Khalil Roundtree Jr. Miles Jury, man, I mean, when his head is right, I mean, this dude's a beast. Eight and two in the UFC, two and one at featherweight. Marvin Vittori defeats Omari Akhmedov. That that might be Italy's best hope for, for UFC glory with respect to uh, Alessio de Chirico. I think Vittori's the real deal. Uh, and then Matthews Nicolau, I think a dark horse at flyweight now that he's back with a win over Lewis Smolka. So Nikolau Vittori, Jury, Oleg Shajuk, uh, who gets the love from the flow here Monday morning. Oh, Nikolau, I thought he looked very sharp out there. Yeah. Um, uh, awesome left hook, was moving really well, just seemed to be in a nice flow when he was fighting, um, and just seemed sharp all the way around. Uh, he seemed like an assassin in there. So I, I see a lot, a lot of good promise in that kid. Okay, last thing. So next Monday, January 8th, third annual AFPA Awards. We, we just didn't come up with a better name, folks. They're the AFPAs. What are you going to do? So here's the like categories. Sounds like a disease. <laughs> it really does. I have right? AFPA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, categories, real quick. Team of the year, uh, UFC Rookie of the Year, Breakout Star, Best in Octagon Post-Fight Speech, the Robert Fallis Corner Man of the Year Award uh, must be a man. No, I'm just kidding. Of course it can be a woman. Actually, Danielle Nickerson, Platinum Princess, uh, getting a lot of votes right now. So right. Um, upset of the year, we're going to call it the Corner Man of the Year Award, right? They're still the Washington Redskins, I think. Yeah. Right? They are. Um, right. All right, upset of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, fight of the year, uh, the Adam Snacks-Geller male fighter of the year, the Inez Florian female <laughs> fight. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> no, it's just the, the female oh, that's hilarious. We're not putting your mom's name on it just that's yet. Um, and last but certainly not least, hottest male fighter, the most physically attractive male fighter to you, Kenny. So right. this can just be the, the male fighter who is most physically appealing to you. It doesn't have to be like the hottest fighter on the roster. Like last year, right. you went with Luke Rockhold. Two years in I a row. Went, I think he's a, the, the two-time winner, I think. Yeah. 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 I went with Tyron Woodley last year because yeah. I felt like if your wife's that hot, uh, you must be doing something right in the looks department. So real quick, um, I'm going to go through some of uh, our winners from 2016 just so I can okay. shout them Let's out. But if you want to nominate winners, didn't do formal nominations this year, at Anik Florian Pod on Twitter, at John underscore Anik, at Kenny Florian. If yeah, we're give forgetting me some, some ideas. submission. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Alexi Olenek is banging all over Ken Flo on yeah. Twitter because he goes on UFC tonight yeah. and said that his Ezekiel choke was not the submission of the year. So uh, Alexi's going to probably get some love next week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he can supplant Demetrius Johnson's suplex into arm lock necessarily right. but um all right so nominations at anik florian pod real quickly our 2016 winners just because i thought it was interesting uh your team of the year last year was team alpha male uh i had jackson wink mma last year your corner man of the year was matt hume i had justin buckholes your ufc rookie of the year was lando venata mine was mickey gall breakout star of the year you had cody garbrandt i had stipe miacic post-fight interview of the year you had nate diaz i had uh the assassin baby brandon moreno Dana, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> knockout of the year, you had Yoel Romero. I had Lando Venata. Submission of the year, you had Nate Diaz over Conor McGregor. I had Ben Rothwell over Josh Barnett. Fight of the year, you had Diaz McGregor, too. I had Swanson Choi. We went over most attractive male fighter. Yes, it's a category. Uh, female fighter of the year, we both had Amanda Nunes. And the Snackscaler fighter of the year, uh, you had Cody Garbrandt. And I had Michael Bisping. So a lot has changed this year. You're getting all of our awards next week on the show. We also congratulate Casey Hinson. He wins our pick-to-click contest for the second straight year. Everyone who finished above 500, you're going to get something like a Ken Flo autographed card. You're getting something. Also uh, worth something. They are. I have yeah. one in my drawer right now. You can't have that one. But we'll yeah, get you, you just one. wait. You just wait 20 years, man. That thing's going to be boom. To telling you. Yeah, through the roof, dude. Lot. It's like fucking Bitcoin. Like Buy that shit now. Um, 
So and, and in terms of the pick to click, we're not bringing it back for 2018. We're going to think of a new concept to uh, to get the listeners involved. Main event challenge. We'll be back. Uh, in a big way, of course, coming up next week with the St. Louis picks. Thank you to UFC featherweight champion Max Holloway. Thank you to Ray Longo, uh, to Janko, Ben, Neil Foley, our whole team at Fox Sports. Appreciate you coming in for us on the holiday. Uh, Ken Flo, happy new year, kid. Dude, happy new year to you as well and uh, to another amazing year of, uh, of MMA, my man. Is, uh, is Meraki BJJ closed on New Year's Day or what? We are closed. We're back open Dude, I- on the third, kid. I, I want to get in there and do some hip escapes. It's Let's New Year's Day. It. Let me get in there. Anytime, but you, I want to see you eat that, you know, that sandwich, Vegemite. that Vegemite sandwich first. Then yep. we'll get you all right. Australians, tell me how to ease my pain. I'm going to hold my nose, <laughs> but I need other ideas. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. Uh, again, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to everyone next Monday. AFPA Awards and preview and picks for UFC St. Louis. Uh, that'll be Jeremy Stevens versus Duho Choi Sunday, January 14th. Until then, for the flow and all of us at Fox Sports, John Anik saying so long for now. Thank you all for listening. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.